Indeed, we do need to dare to stand like Joshua. We need the courage to stand and do what is right. As parents, we need the courage to lead our children down the paths of righteousness. And as young people, you need the courage as well to stand like Joshua, to do the right thing, even when situations may be difficult. This morning, I want to talk particularly to the young people. It's been a while since I think I've done a sermon kind of geared, maybe a couple of months uh, since I've done a sermon kind of geared towards the young people. This sermon, hopefully, I think will encourage you and hopefully get you to think a little bit. The school year is about over and summertime is approaching. And with any sermon, obviously, there's going to be application, not just for the young people, but really for all of us. I want to begin by asking a question. What does, a, what does bread and a bowl of soup A couple pieces of clothing and silver, what do those things have in common? Silver, some clothing, some bread, and some soup. What do those things have in common? Well, they're all part of some of the worst decisions people have made in the history of the world. They're all part of stories where people offered something that was seemingly too good for them to pass up. But in exchange, they lost what they had. There was a price that they gave up, a price of great blessings to receive these other things. This morning, I want to talk a little bit, just for a few minutes, and particularly to the young people. The title of my sermon is called, What is Your Price? What is your price? I want to tell you a little bit about what I'm getting at here. The devil is our enemy. We know that from 1 Peter chapter 5 and verse number 8, that he is like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. And he's not just going after older people or the vintage individuals that are here. He's coming after you. It doesn't matter how old you may be or how young you may be or how new to the faith you may be. He is coming after you. He's coming after me. He's coming after all of us. What the devil wants us to think and what he believes is that we all essentially have some kind of price. We have some kind of price where if something is offered to us or an opportunity is given to us that we will be willing to forsake what God, the great blessings of God. We'll be willing to forsake maybe our allegiance to Christ. We'll be willing to give up what it is that God wants us to do, to ignore what God wants us to do for these other things that are being offered to us. And I want to remind and encourage really the young people, don't be deceived by the devil. Take the warnings of the Word of God seriously. I want you to imagine many of you are going to camps this year, right? Uh, Dry Creek Camp. Uh, There's other camps here, Texas camp, is that right? And if you guys saw a sign that said, beware of of a lion, beware of the lions, would you guys be looking around? Would you guys be concerned a little bit? Would you walk a little bit more carefully? I think all of us would. And that's the mentality that we really have to have. We need to be aware of the devil. He is deceiving. He is very cunning. And sadly, so many young people, and parents, you, you understand this as well, so many young people live and learn. It's okay to live and learn. I've talked about this here before. It's okay to live and learn when it comes to, you know, making eggs or uh, learning how to ride a bike or something like that. But young people really need to learn and live from God's word. What I mean by that is that I want to encourage you to listen to what God has to say in his word. Listen to the stories that we have in both the Old Testament and also in the New Testament. And the words of encouragement and the words of warning that are given to us. There are many parents who are hurting today, and not just here, but I'm sure in other congregations as well, as, as too many times we see our children at times fall away from the Lord. Too many times we see young people who attended all the devos and all the worship services are no longer walking with God. 
there was a price where they were willing to be led astray for something or someone. And so I want to talk a little bit about this idea. What is your price? I mentioned to you bread and a bowl of soup, some silver and some pieces of clothing. Do you know the stories that I'm talking about here? Are you familiar with these stories? I want to talk a little bit about three stories. And as we're going through these stories, particularly for the young people, I want to ask you a couple of questions. And we'll get to those questions here in just a moment. But I want us to learn from these case studies, and we'll look at some other ones as well, of some individuals who had great blessings from God, and yet they, they basically gave it all away. Let's talk a little bit about it. The first case study is going to take us to Genesis chapter 25. In Genesis chapter 25, a popular story, a story that many of us know is the first case study here, the story of Esau. We know Esau was the son of Isaac, and we learn back here in Genesis chapter 25 that Isaac was married to Rebekah, and Isaac and Rebekah would have two sons, Jacob and Esau, and we get some details about Jacob and Esau here, more so about uh, Esau. In verse 27 of Genesis chapter 26, when the boys grew up, Esau became a skillful hunter, a man of the field, but Jacob was a peaceful man living in tents. Now Isaac loved Esau because he had a taste for game, but Rebekah loved Jacob. When Jacob had cooked stew, Esau came in from the field and he was famished. And Esau said to Jacob, please let me have a swallow of that red stuff there, for I am famished. Therefore, his name was called Edom. So we get some details about Esau. He's out hunting. He's a skillful hunter, and he's hungry, and he's famished. And he asked Jacob, please give me what you're cooking. Jacob He said in verse 31, first, sell me your birthright. What Jacob was asking Esau to do was a really big deal. The firstborn son was the first fruits of his father's strength and would have been dedicated to God. And he was given special privileges. He would inherit a double share of the inheritance when his father died. And so the fact that Jacob was asking Esau, the firstborn, to give him his birthright was a really big deal. He said, first, sell me your birthright. Esau said, behold, I'm about to die, so what use then is a birthright to me? And Jacob said, first swear to me. So he swore to him and sold his birthright to Jacob. Then Jacob gave Esau bread and lentil soup, and he ate and drank and rose and went on his way. Thus Esau despised his birthright. So as we talk about this idea of what is your price, Esau gave up his birthright. Esau gave up great blessings from God for what? His price was a bowl of soup and some bread. I want you to think about Esau here for a moment. I want you to consider a couple of things. Number one, what was Esau thinking? Your birthright for some bread and some soup, what was he thinking? The second question I want you to think about is, did he have any regret later after making this decision? Did he have any regret? What do you think? Do you know the story? That's one case study I want you to think about here. Esau's price was a single meal. What might be our price to give up on great blessings that God has for us? The second case study I want us to consider is from 2 Kings chapter 5. Are you familiar with a man by the name of Gehazi? 2 Kings chapter 5, Gehazi was a servant of Elisha. And I want you to notice a story here in 2 Kings chapter 5. The story picks up from where Elisha had healed a man by the name of Naaman. 
Naaman was a leper, and Naaman would be healed by this uh, mighty prophet named Elisha. He was hesitant with what Elisha wanted him to do, but in the process of time, Naaman would be healed. And as a result of Naaman being healed, he asked uh, Elisha if he could give him something in return. And I want you to notice in verse in 2 Kings chapter 5 and verse number 14, the Bible says, as we see here, Naaman being healed. So he went down and dipped himself seven times in the Jordan, according to the word of the man of God. And his flesh was restored like the flesh of a little child, and he was clean. When he returned to the man of God with all of his company, he came and came and stood before him. He said, Behold now, I know that there's no God in all the earth but in Israel, so please take a present from your servant now. Please, let me give you something in return for the great thing you have done for me. Verse 16, but he said, As the Lord lives before whom I stand, I will take nothing. And he urged him to take it, but he refused. So Elisha said, No, we're not going to take anything. Naaman said, if not, please let your servant at least be given two mules load of earth, for your servant will no longer offer burnt offering, nor will he sacrifice to other gods but to the Lord. And this matter, may the Lord pardon your servant. Look at verse 19. He said to him, go in peace. So he departed from him some distance. So Elisha said, look, nothing is required for what I have done. But I want you to notice in verse number 20. But Gehazi, the servant of Elisha, the man of God, thought... Behold, I thought, very much like Naaman, behold, my master has spared this Naaman the Aramean by not receiving from his hands what he brought. As the Lord lives, I will run after him and take something from him. So Gehazi said, listen, Elisha doesn't want this. It's free. I want it. I'm going to go and get it. So he said, I'll take something from, from him. So Gehazi pursued Naaman, verse 21. When Naaman saw one running after him, he came down from the chariot to meet him and said, is all well? He said, all is well. My master has sent me, saying, Behold, just now two young men of the sons of the prophets have come to me from the hill country of Ephraim. Please give them a talent of silver and two changes of clothes. You guys see what was wrong with that? What was wrong with what he just said? It was a lie. He was never told to say anything. Nothing like that happened. Naaman said, Be pleased to take two talents. So he gave him some money, and he urged him and bound two talents of silver in two bags with two changes of clothes. He gave him some money and some clothes and gave them to the two of his servants, and they carried them before him. When he came to the hill, he took them from their hand and deposited them in the house, and he sent them away, and they departed. Gehazi, his price, his price was a couple pieces of clothing and some silver. And so I want you to think about this now. What was Gehazi thinking when he decided to go down this path? What was he thinking? You see the choices that he made? Do you think he would regret those choices later on? What's our price? His price was a few pieces of silver and some clothing. A third case study that I want you to consider for just a moment is in the New Testament. Look over in Matthew chapter 26. It's with one of the apostles in Matthew chapter 26. The third case study is with Judas the apostle. Maybe you're thinking about the silver here with the 30 pieces of silver that Judas would receive. In Matthew chapter 26, we find Judas where he would betray Jesus. And we're going to see that he would betray Jesus for 30 pieces of silver. In Matthew chapter 26 and verse number 14, the Bible says that one of the 12 named Judas Iscariot went to the chief priest and said, what are you willing to give me to betray him to you? And they weighed out 30 pieces of silver to him. 
From then on, he began looking for a good opportunity to betray Jesus. And verse 47, while he was still speaking, behold, Judas, one of the twelve, came up accompanied by a large crowd with swords and clubs who came from the chief priests and elders of the people. Now he who was betraying him gave them a sign, saying, Whomever I kiss, he is the one, seize him. Immediately Judas went to Jesus and said, Hail, Rabbi, and kissed him. What was the price for Judas, the one who walked with Jesus for three years and saw the miracles of Jesus? His price was 30 pieces of silver. Now, what was Judas thinking? And I don't know if I should even ask this question because I think we all know the answer. Would he regret his decision later? We know the answer to that, right? I want you to think about these case studies for just a few minutes here. And I want you to see what we can learn about the devil and choices and the consequences that follow. And while this is more for the young people, this has application for me and for all of us. What similarities did the choices these men have in common what similarities, similarities did they have? Did you pick up on any similarities that these individuals had, whether it's with Gehazi or Judas or Esau? There are a couple of things that I saw that I want to share with you here real quickly. Number one, they all focused on short-term pleasure. Did you pick up on that? Uh, they weren't really thinking about the bigger picture. They were just thinking about what they could get right then and right there. They wanted something. They were eyeing something, and they said, that is what I'm going to get. There was not going to be anything that would get in their way, not even when it came to lying. Gehazi said, this is what I'm going to do. I must have this. Secondly, they didn't really appreciate what they had. If, if Esau fully appreciated, and maybe he was thinking that he was going to die, but if he fully appreciated his birthright and these blessings that God had given him, would he really give it up for a bowl of soup? Could you not maybe compromise or negotiate? Can I get half a bowl of soup or maybe just one piece of bread or something like that? Or maybe just go to his mom and ask for some food? You see, he wasn't thinking, uh, he wasn't thinking the big picture. And he fully didn't appreciate the blessings that he had from God. What about Gehazi? He's working with, he's working with the prophet Elisha, of all people, doing God's work. But for a couple pieces of silver, two talents of silver, and that certainly would have been a lot, and some clothing, he's willing to give all of that up. That's what he was thinking. He was only focused on a short-term pleasure, and he certainly did not appreciate what he had. What about Judas, of all people, walking with Jesus? How much bigger does it get than that? And yet he still didn't fully appreciate what he had, and We know these stories, and if you don't, you will know them by the time we get done. All three of these individuals had great regret. They had great regret. Look over in Hebrews chapter 12 where we pick up the story of Esau here in Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 16 and 17. In Hebrews chapter 12, verse 16 and 17, we learn uh, about the regret that Esau had. In Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 16 and 17, the Holy Spirit says this, that there be no immoral or godless person like Esau who sowed his own birthright for a single meal. For you know that even afterwards, when he desired to inherit the blessing, he was rejected, for he found no place for repentance, though he sought for it with tears. We know just by reading the rest of the book of Genesis that Esau had great regret. 
He was bitter towards his brother Jacob and wanted to kill him for a number of years. His life, indeed, was full of great regrets. Go back to the story in 2 Kings chapter 5, the story of Gehazi. If you haven't read the rest of the story, let's pick up and read the rest of it here in 2 Kings chapter 5. And I want you to pick up now in verse number 25. In 2 Kings chapter 5 and verse number 25, After Gehazi took all that he had and deposited the stuff in his house, he sent the men away and they departed. Now look at verse 25. But when he went in and stood before his master, and Elisha said to him, where have you been, Gehazi? This sounds like a parent, right? Where have you been? What have you been doing? That would have caused a great amount of fear in me because you're talking about Elisha here. Where have you been, Gehazi? And he said, your servant went nowhere. So he lied again. Then he said to him, did not my heart go with you when the man turned from his chariot to meet you? Is it a time to receive money and to receive clothes and olive groves and vineyards and sheep and oxen and male and female servants? Therefore, the leprosy of Naaman shall cling to you and to your descendants forever. So he went out from his presence, a leper as white as snow. You talk about regret. There is regret right there. And it didn't just stop with him. It would have a ripple effect. And we know the rest of the story with uh, Judas in Matthew chapter 27. Judas had a lot of regret. And I still have questions about Judas. What was Judas really thinking about when he betrayed Jesus? We know his heart as we get towards the end of the Gospels. Uh, We know his heart. But what was he thinking? Was he thinking that Jesus was just going to somehow maybe escape? Was he thinking that no harm was going to be done? He had done that for a number of years. Whatever he was thinking, it didn't work out for him. And he would be filled with regret. In Matthew 27 and verse 1, Now when morning came, all the chief priests and the elders of the people conferred together against Jesus to put him to death. And they bound him and led him away and delivered him to Pilate the governor. Then when Judas, who had betrayed him, saw that he had been condemned, he left remorse. He, I'm sorry, he felt remorse and returned the 30 pieces of silver. He's trying to correct it to the chief priests and elders, saying, I have sinned. You've got to give him credit for that as well. I have sinned by betraying innocent blood. But they said, what's that to us? See to that yourself. And he threw the pieces of silver into the temple sanctuary and departed, and he went away and hanged himself. There's regret right there. What were these men thinking? Well, they were not thinking about the bigger picture. They weren't thinking about long-term consequences. And they certainly weren't thinking about all the great blessings that they already had with Christ or with God and doing the work of God and their relationship with God. You see, these men allowed their emotions and their lust, and a lack of not thinking long-term to make these poor decisions. The devil believed that these individuals had a price, and he was right. They did have a price. There was something to get Esau to give up his birthright. There was something to give uh, Gehazi enough to, to lie to a prophet of God and to others. And there was a price for Judas to betray even the Son of God. And so I want to begin again, or I want to go back and ask you again, what is your price? That's a question we all need to ask ourselves as parents, as adults. What is my price? Is there something that the world can offer me? Is there something that the world can offer you? Something that the devil can offer you that's so enticing that you're willing to lay aside all the things you know, all the teachings you've had from your mom and your dad and from others throughout the years to go after something that you know you should not be going after. What is your price when it comes to potentially compromising your faith in Jesus? Is it your boyfriend or girlfriend? 
Is it that special person in your life that maybe you really like, maybe you even want them to notice you, maybe, they, maybe you're not dating someone, but you want them to notice you as, as much as you can. And you're willing to compromise some in how you dress. You're willing to compromise when it comes to modesty. You're willing to compromise with some of the things that you may do or say or go. What is your price? Is it that young man or that young woman, someone you like, where you're willing to compromise your moral standards? What is your price? Is it being able to fit in with others even at the expense of remaining silent about truth? You know, there's a lot of peer pressure in school, whether it's middle school, high school, college, sports teams, whatever the situation may be. What's your price? Are you, willing to, are you, are you wanting to fit in so desperately that you're just willing to remain quiet no matter what, even when you know there's something that you should say? What is your price? You see, the devil believes that we all have a price. Is that true? I can't answer for you, and you can't answer for me. We all have to consider this. But I don't want to leave on a negative note. I want you to think about, can you think of others in the Bible who were given an opportunity to compromise on their faith, to do something that they knew was not right, and say, no, I'm not going to do this, where they could have lied and probably even got away with it. Can you think of anybody like that? I can think of some. You guys are nodding your head. Maybe, were you thinking about Joseph? Thinking about Joseph in Genesis chapter 39? Go back to Genesis chapter 39. Joseph, I think, is one of the best examples that, that we don't have to have a price, that we can say no, we can resist the devil, and that he will flee, that we can do the right thing, even when the world says, no, everybody else is doing this, and this is what you got to do. We can say no. You can say no. You can do the right thing. In Genesis 39 and verse 1, now Joseph had been taken down to Egypt and to Potiphar. An Egyptian officer of Pharaoh, the captain of the bodyguard, brought, bought him from the Israelites who had taken him down there. The Lord was with Joseph, so he became a successful man. And we see how Joseph rose in the house of, of Potiphar. And look at verse number, uh, verse number uh, 7. It came about after these events that his master's wife looked with desire at Joseph, and she said, lie with me. But he refused and said to his master's wife, Behold, with me here my master does not concern himself with anything in the house, and he has put all that he owns in my charge. There's no one greater in this house than I, and he has withheld nothing from me except you, because you are his wife. How then could I do this great evil and sin against God? What was Joseph thinking about? Maybe we should change the who was he thinking about. He was thinking about God. Many people, many young men, many men in general would potentially not pass up an opportunity like that, knowing that they could get away doing something, their ego being flattered. And yet Joseph said, no, I'm not going to do this. What was he thinking? Well, he was thinking about God. Did he have any regret about this? Well, you could say maybe he was frustrated with what happened because Potiphar's wife lied about him. And then eventually he'd be thrown into prison. But yet he still held his integrity. And he still was walking with God. And I think looking at the end of the story of Joseph, you can say, no, he didn't have regret. Because he knew he did the right thing. He knew he did the right thing. And as a result of that, good things would still happen to him. God was with him. What's your price? We don't have to have a price. We can decide beforehand. Look, when you, before you go to camp this year, and I know you're going to be surrounded by good young Christian people. But you still need to make sure that you have some boundaries. 
You still need to determine, I'm not going to do certain things. I'm not going to say certain things. I'm not going to act in a certain way. You need to lay down, uh, lay down what you're going to do and be firm with that. And say, no, I'm not going to go down that path no matter what. For those who are going off into college or, or sports camps this summertime, you need to establish that you don't have a price. Whatever the situation may be, you have determined, I'm going to do what God wants me to do in his word. Summertime is approaching, and moms and dads, we need to think about this, and young people need to think about this, that we don't, we don't have a price when it comes to trying to fit in with what everybody else may be wearing and buying and things like that. We've already decided that we're going to do what God wants us to do. We're not going to try to wear certain things to get everybody else's attention. We're going to try to do what God says. There isn't going to be a price for us. Joseph had that mentality, and Moses had this mentality in Hebrews chapter 11. In Hebrews chapter 11, I think this is one of the best examples that, you know what, it is possible for young people, it is possible, for that matter, for all of us to resist the devil, to say, I'm not going to go down this path. I'm not going to do it. There is no price for me. It's not relationships, it's not more followers on Facebook or social media or Instagram or Snapchat or whatever it may be. It's not trying to fit in, it's not trying to be popular. I'm not going to go down that line. In Hebrews 11 and verse number 24, the Bible says, By faith, Moses, when he had grown up, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to endure ill treatment with the people of God than to enjoy the passing pleasures of sin. That's what got Gehazi in the trouble. That's what gets so many other individuals in the trouble. By faith he left Egypt, not fearing the wrath of the king, for he endured as seeing him who is unseen. That's the mindset that you have to have. That's the mindset that we all need to have. That's the kind of faith that we need to have. The devil is going to test us. He's going to test you and he's going to test me to see if he can buy our allegiance from God for the right price. Is the right price for us a certain amount of money with work to the point where we just aren't able to do any work in the kingdom of God? What is our price? We all need to ask ourselves, what is the price? And hopefully you all come to the conclusion there is no price because we've already pledged our allegiance to Christ. And so we are going to follow him no matter what. And maybe one of the biggest things that we can do to remember this or to help us in this way is to remember the price that was already paid. Zach already led us from Ephesians chapter 2, reminding us the price to redeem us from our sins. The price to purchase the church of God. It was the blood of Jesus Christ. And when we remember our allegiance to him and the commitment that we've made to follow him, this will help us to say, I'm not going to go down this path. There is no price for me to deviate from what God wants me to do in my life. Let's make sure that we have this same mindset. We have great young people here, and I know you're going to be faced with a variety of decisions, and I know you're going to make the right decisions, and maybe you're going to fall short. We all fall short. We all sometimes make the wrong decision, but learn from those decisions, and most importantly, learn and live from God's word. Look at others and even learn from others' mistakes, from the mistakes of others, not to go down this path. Learn from Gehazi. Learn from Judas. Learn from Esau. Learn from the word of God. That following God's way is always the best way. Do you believe that? Let's believe it and let's fully buy into it and let's do it. Now, maybe someone here is outside of Jesus Christ. We want you to learn from God's word as well. We want you to learn that belief and baptism is necessary when it comes to salvation. 
That repentance is necessary. That you can be saved from your sins. You can be delivered from the bondage of sin. If you're willing to submit to Jesus Christ, are you willing to do that today? We want to help you if you are. Jesus, he paid the price for our sins. We can't earn our way to heaven, and we certainly do not deserve to go to heaven. But through Jesus, we have a way. If you're ready to be saved, come now as we stand and as we sing.